you're listening to the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast. We hope this message speaks to you and encourages you. You can find more messages by searching Catalyst Church of Carrollton on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learn more at IamCatalyst.net. Tell somebody one more time. Say, Ben's got another one. Another word. One word. Be quiet real quick. I'm not going to tell you this any other. I want you to talk the rest of it. Be quiet. You hear that? Still. Still. Tell somebody still. Say it one more time. Say still. Scripture teaches that the peace that passes all understanding can guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Tell somebody still. I'm not talking about next year, next week, next 10 years from now. I'm t- what I'm teaching on today and talking about today and preaching on and going to pour my heart out in this hoodie first time ever. We'll see how it goes because um, I'm hot natured and I may have a heat stroke up here. I'm talking about today. Tell somebody today. today. This Thanksgiving, t- tonight, tomorrow, every day. Tell somebody still. Still. One word. Still. Still. You can have the peace of God right now in the middle of whatever you're dealing with. Not one day, today. Still. It is more than an attitude. We like to talk about gratitude and peace. It's more than an attitude. It's a choice. It's a lifestyle. And you will begin to experience the peace of God when you experience him and begin to trust his presence, not just experience his presence, when it begins to affect you and change your life. And when that happens, this peace the Bible talks about, it can take over. You can have it in any season, every season, any moment, when things are awesome, when they're awful, when people are awesome, when people are awful. You can have it. Tell somebody, still. Still. So say it like you mean it. Say, still. still. Online, drop a comment. Say, still. Still. Matter of fact, will you stand to your feet right now? Uh, if you can, if you can, will you stand to your feet? Here we go. I guess I'm getting older, and I guess I'm doing what every older person does. All my life, I thought it was ridiculous to stand for the reading of the scripture out of reverence and respect because I'm one of those young schoolers. I'm like, hey, if you don't do anything with it, it doesn't matter. But here's the thing. We live in the most distracted culture of all time. We are in the most distracted time period of all time. And if you don't respect or do anything with the scripture, and if you're not attentive to it, and if you don't care enough to listen and do something with it, here's the thing. You can work circles around it. You can come to church and do and just listen and say, that sounds good. You can abuse it. A lot of people love to abuse the Bible and make it a weapon. But if you do what it's meant to do and you begin to use it and do something with it, it'll change your life. And in a distracted culture, you got to pay attention. Tell somebody, not today, ADD. Lift your hands right now. Lord, we are attentive to you, Lord. We give you our undivided attention. Lord, I give you my undivided attention. I've prayed and prepared all week, but at the end of the day, you know I won't make sense without you. I need you. I want to be a vessel. That's all this is. That's all we are as the church. We are vessels, every one of us. Lord, speak. We give you our attention. We shut everything else out in the next few minutes, Lord. Help us. Help us choose you. Help us experience you in a way that it doesn't just feel good. It's life-changing and we can do something with it because you are good in Jesus' name. Amen. Stay standing. Here we go. When I was a, when I was a young kid, my teachers used to, I used to always get in trouble. They would tell me two things. They would tell my parents two things. Number one, he won't stay still. And number two, he won't shut up. Later on, I found out I still can't, I still don't have the shut up thing figured out, but I found out I had a disease called Tourette's, which is why this stage is glorious. Been arguing with Angie. I'm like, I like to work the stage. You need to get the lights going. 
But I've learned that no matter if I have a disease that keeps me from being still or if I can't shut up, my spirit can be still. And the older I get, I've learned that I, my spirit can be still. When I can't be still, when my ticks won't let me be still, when life and other people are frustrating me, you can have his peace. The peace Jesus walked on this earth with, you can have it. You can, as the scripture says, be still in the presence of God and wait patiently for him to act. You can be still and know that he is God and trust that he is God. You can, and we're going to do it today. So as you're seated, tell somebody around you in your teacher voice, say, be still. They say it all the time, be still, man. Why can't you be still? Because I can't. And now I don't have to. Mm. By the way, we didn't read the scripture. Stand back up. ADD like I'm a... Talk about distracted. Hey, I got an excuse. Not today. Tell somebody not today. Not today. Here it is. Mark chapter 4. What the heck am I thinking? Here we go. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out. Leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. So there was a lot of boats in this situation. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water, which means the mug was sinking. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Woo, talk about still. You all over the place about your kids acting up in school. This joker's sleeping in the middle of a death, life in the storm. The disciples woke woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke, he rebuked the wind and said to the wave, silence, be still. Tell somebody, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great uh, great calm, not corn, calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. That's one of them 2021 social media diva, emotional, over-the-top, embellished things right there. I am absolutely terrified of my wife coming home in a bad mood. Diva, I'm not terrified. We're going to fight. She comes home in a bad mood. And I'm going to lose. The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They ask each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. Now tell somebody around you, say, be still and sit down. (laughs) And sit down. And and, and I won't make you stand up. Maybe. I don't know. We we don't know. Who knows with me these days? (laughs) Y'all ready? Tell somebody I'm ready. Man, I'm going to tell you, as the week went on, this word just began to stick in me. And I'm talking about stick me and challenge me. In a week, God made me really feel this one. In the Old Testament, Jonah, disobedience drove Jonah into a storm. Obedience led the disciples into the storm. So here's the thing you need to know about your storms. You need to quit overthinking them. Because we live in a culture where we have too much information sometimes. And you need to quit overthinking them. You get in a situation or you get in a pinch or you or or the money ain't the money ain't what it needs to be, and you're like, oh my God, what did I do? Or 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 your husband or wife's losing their mind, and you're like, what did I do to get here? What did I not do? What could I have done? Is God punishing me? Is he shaming me? Listen to me. Here's the thing: God is the God of all the storms. And that's a moot point overthinking that because it doesn't matter if you walked into the storm or he led you into the storm. He is the God of the storm. Tell somebody, be still. You need to quit thinking about what led you there, what you could do not to get into the next one, and you need to begin to trust him in the storm. 
That's the first thing. This is a severe storm. How do we know? Peter and Andrew were fishermen. They had been out in this lake before. Many times. Matter of fact, the fact that they're crying out to Jesus thinking they're about to die shows that they had been out there many times. They had never seen a storm this bad. It was severe. Jesus started this conversation when they t- he said, let us cross over to the other side. He did not say, let us go and die in the middle of the lake. It was a severe storm. Your depression may be severe. Your anxiety may be severe. This divorce that you're going through may be severe. You may be sorrowful in this season because somebody that you truly meant to be here, wanted to be here a lot longer isn't. You may be stressed. It may be severe. You may be heartbroken. You may be angry and over the top bitter and building resentment. I don't know what it is. It may be severe, but I'll tell you this. Number one, this isn't the end and you're not going to die here. And two, you don't have to stay here. But you get to choose it. Tell somebody be still. Be still. Be still. Notice Jesus is our example. We say that. Jesus is the reason we're here. That's one of the things that we've really focused on this year is we can have fun. We're here for him. Look at what our example's doing. He is in the boat sleeping. Resting. His mind didn't spin it like mine. When he, his mind ain't looking at the ceiling, thinking about all the stuff he's got to do and stressed out. He's not. He's sleeping. His, when, my, when I get up, sometimes I can actually sleep a couple more hours, but I get up to pee. Stress hits me. I'm up, period. He was resting. He had peace. Things weren't perfect, but he had peace. And when the Bible says, when Jesus says, peace, I leave you. He said, I'll leave you peace. He didn't say you're going to get it in heaven or you need to pray for it. He said, I'm leaving it to you. And this is what Jesus is doing in a storm that is threatening his life. He is asleep. Things are not perfect, but he is at peace. Things may not be perfect in your life, but you can be at peace. Things may not be close to being perfect in your life, but you can be at peace. Things can be absolutely sideways and you can experience his peace and presence just like Jesus did. Jesus did not say we're going to die in the middle of the lake. He said we're going to cross over to the other side. And the same is true for you. He's sleeping. He's not worried about what people want from him, need from him, require of him, all the things on the other side, the responsibilities that he has and the miracles, that the people that are going to drain him on the other side, he is resting. And Jesus said, come to me, all of those who carry heavy burdens, and I will what? Give you rest. Anxiety is a thing of control. Jesus is back there sleeping because he trusts his father. He is our example. He is resting. And in a season where nobody's, everybody's restless and everybody's resentful and everybody's off the charts anxious, he's sitting there saying, this is what stillness looks like. You can have this stillness in your spirit. You can have the joy of the Lord that is your strength. You can have his peace right now. Every day. Every day. Every day. I want you to also notice this. The disciples wake him up. <laughs> this is crazy, y'all. The Bible's very intentional. The storm didn't wake Jesus up. The waves didn't wake him up. The boat rocking all over the place didn't wake him up with vertigo. The cry of his children woke him up. 
like a mother who I, every time I see Allie now, she wasn't a mother now, she's a mother, and I can see how attentive she is to her baby. You mothers, the slightest sound, and we're like, that girl ain't awake. Mama hears her baby. And your heavenly father hears you and he cares about you. Nothing around him woke him up. The disciples, and they weren't being respectful. We're going to get there. They were waking him up. Hey, we're going to die. But he woke up for them. Scripture says, cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Jesus knew that he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead in just a moment. But he cared enough to cry with them in what they were feeling in the present, even though he knew they were about to see the greatest miracle of their life. He cares about what you're feeling right now. And what woke him up was his disciples crying. That is the God that we serve. That is the God we serve. And I want you to see that they are waking him up demanding. They are complaining. And don't judge them because I'm about to make this 2021. They are, they are complaining. We're going to die. Let, get some water and bail, bro. They knew how to row in a rhythm. They knew what they were doing. They had been out here before. They are just rowing through a little stronger storm than they had ever been through. Get up, Jesus. We're going to die. And he is frustrated, but he wakes because he cares. We do it all the time. We live in a culture that some of us, some of us, um, we, we project on God. We project on people, but honestly, all of us in some season, we're angry at God. We blame him. Uh, you make poor decisions because you blame God. You, uh, you make bitter decisions. You make terrible financial decisions. You, you, you treat other people because you're angry at God. But honestly, more than ever before, I have seen, you ever heard the term bubble butt? Don't, you ain't too churchy for that. You go home, you're going to see it in a show today. Don't act like you ain't heard it. Bubble butt means big butt. We live in a bubble mouth culture. Back in the day, everybody used to say, I'm not going to talk about God like that. Man, everybody talks about it now. They get out there. They put their anger out. Matter of fact, can I just be honest with you? I'm very much an open person. I'm huge on this. But I truly don't believe there's that many truly atheists in the world. I believe there's a lot of people that are very angry at God. The scripture says this, and I believe it. It says only a fool believes in his heart. There is no God. There's a lot of people angry at God. There's a lot of people that something happened at some point and they truly lost their love for him. The disciples are angry. You let us out here to die. You've done it before. You talked to God. You better not take him from me, God. You better not take her. Take me. You're angry. You prayed. It didn't get answered. You're frustrated. Your daddy left you. Your mama didn't nurture you. I don't know. They died too soon. You got anxiety. Things haven't worked out like you played. And you were in a position in a storm, maybe in 20 years of storm, because you haven't realized that you have access to this peace. And what you do is you spend all those years projecting. My addicts, you project with alcohol. You're angry, you drink too much, you act like it's fun, you act like that life was ever worth it. I don't know, but I know we all do it. We're angry and we have no peace because we are demanding instead of trusting him. And we have no peace. Good people don't have any peace. There's seasons in my life that I got away from his peace. I did too much. I didn't trust him. The disciples were, Jesus, wake up. Help us, Bell. We're going to die. Right. We do it. You do it in your everyday life. You're one of those. You just keep things together. I know you. I am you. 
I got, you got a plan, kids, husband, wife, keeping things together, finances. You roll, you're constantly rolling, but you ain't resting. And that's why you're blinded to the blessings that are right in front of you today and this Thursday. Your bank account ain't even that bad. You're complaining about a bank account that is blessed. Got a beautiful spouse, a beautiful wife. You were blinded. You know what? You're not restful. You have no rest. You were tired and you were blinded to the most beautiful blessings that God gives in this life altogether because you were have no peace. Tell somebody be still. And this is why Jesus is frustrated. And he's frustrated. And he immediately stands up frustrated and he says, peace be still. And we like to do this. And, 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 you know, I grew up a charismatic. We like to say that he was yelling this. That's not true. Matter of fact, my Greek professor, who I do respect a lot, um, he said actually he was speaking very annoyed. Wasn't yelling. He wasn't casting out. He actually was peace be still. When he told Peter, it was, he didn't yell at Peter, get thee behind me. He said, Peter, Satan, get behind me. He was annoyed. Some things never change with us. Peace be still. The Greek word for still, when you see this, what it's saying, why it says in the Bible, in the NLT, great calm, is this water went from waves everywhere to, in an instant, so calm that you could see your reflection in the water. That's what the Greek was saying when it says, when they have to translate this, great calm. And Jesus says, guys, where is your faith? Where's your faith? Where's your faith? You got everything. You got me in the boat with you. But you got no peace. You got Jesus in the closet where you're hiding your stuff that you don't want anybody to see. And at the kitchen table and in your inner circle. He's right there. But you're too busy screaming at him. And, 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 and working so hard you got no rest. And some things never change. Tell somebody be still. And be still. Be still. And the Bible says that the disciples were absolutely terrified. Do you know why this is? They were shocked. This is the first time, okay? Chronologically, this is the first time that they had really seen Jesus' power. This is the beginning of their time with him. The beginning of those three years. They hadn't seen anything yet. Nothing yet. And I want you to know this. This is you. I don't care what your criminal record is. I don't care what your reputation is. I don't care how many marriages you've been through. I don't care what other people think about you. I don't care what other people don't see in you. I don't care how much debt you're in. I don't care what. I care, but it doesn't matter. Because when you start seeking him and you begin to sit down and still, still yourself, you haven't seen anything yet. This was just the beginning. They would see Jesus raise the dead. They would start a movement that we're still here 2,000 years later. That was one of the first. And in your life right now, I don't know what it looks like. But if you will start seeking the Lord and making some decisions to, to lead your family and grow closer to God together, if you will start being consistent in your church attendance, if you will start reading the scripture, praying together, if you will start sitting down and praying to him and talking to him instead of getting on social media and posting and popping off and venting to your spouse all the time and start seeking him, you haven't seen anything yet either. Because here's the thing, the disciples would get to the other side of that mountain. They would. All right, other side of the lake. Why did I say mountain? They would get there. And you, but I'm not preaching on Mark chapter 5 today. 
I'm not preaching on next year, next goal, because I'm not preaching on the other side. I'm preaching on today. Today. I'm not talking about your miracle, because they, fi- they saw miracles. I'm talking about what they got robbed of that day. You, today. Tell somebody, be still. Be still. You can have peace, y'all. He, God loves you. He cares about you. He is interested in your life. He is invested in your life. The Bible calls him Jehovah Jireh, which means the God who provides and the God who sees. He sees you. He loves you. He knows you. He's got you. He raised from the dead, and that same power lives inside of you. It's available to you, and it's time for you to be still and take him up on it. Tell somebody, be still. Be still. Be still. Be still. And I want to spend the rest of this message showing you what being still looks like in your life. My mama Scudder, who just turned 90, gave me a book when I was in high school called Sit, Walk, Stand by a man named Watchman Nee. Little did I know when I got in Bible college that these principles had been written because Paul was teaching them in the book of Ephesians It made my story make sense. You know, I'm a simple guy, y'all. I know I get up here and I'm all over the place. You're like, I can't keep up with him. I'm a slow learner even at the things I'm good at. And I always need something to make sense. When things make sense to me or at least enough sense to I trust you with the stuff that doesn't, I'm moving. I'm going on it. And in high school, this book just helped things make sense to my relationship with God. And I wanted to do that for you today because you don't have to just pray for peace. You can experience peace. You can be close to God. You can connect with God. The God that we celebrate on Christmas is the only religion in the world because it's that unique that God cares about us and wants to be close to us. And you can have that closeness. This Thursday, whether who's at the table, if nobody's at your table, you can experience him. And that's what I want for you. That's what I want for you. Tell somebody I'm ready. I'm ready. Being still. It's a three-step process. Been taught many times, and Paul taught it the first time at Ephesians when he wrote to the Ephesian church. The first step is easy. Sit. 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 Tell somebody, simmer down. Settle down. (laughs) You know your position matters, right? Your position matters. Where you stand with God where you stand with others, where you stand with yourself, it matters. And honestly, everything is defined with where you stand with God. Your position matters, and the position you take in life matters. And you need to begin to sit. We're always so quick to stand up and face up. We're also quick to, to react. But you need to sit. I've had to learn, and I'm still learning, and it's hard for somebody who moves like I do. Sit down. Paul writes in Ephesians 2. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us. This is your position. Seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. The Bible says you were hidden with him. There is no greater intimacy. You can have all the intimacy with your spouse that God wants to bless you with. and that you can, But it is nothing more intimate in this life than having a God that's close to you, that fights for you, that wants to, that wants to give you access to everything you need. And has built you to be everything you need. That's your position. You are seated in heavenly places. It's why 
King David, 13 years in between him being anointed king and becoming king. 13 years. There was 13 years between. So in God's eyes, it was 13 years before he became king that he was king. Most of them were absolute hell. He was running from King Saul. He was being absolutely taken advantage of. 13 years. But you know in that season, God invested so much in him that made him who he was. Which is why, you know what King David's position was in that season? It was goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and my cup runneth over. That was that 13 year period between him being king, being anointed king and becoming king. I'm not finished. The apostle Paul, this haze machine. Can I, turn, can I unplug this thing? I'm going to mess around and choke up here. There we go. Just unplug it. I don't have to have tech skills for that. <laughs> feel like I'm up here preaching in a, in, a, in a smokehouse or something. It was good in worship. It's just not anymore. The Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul spent 13 years. We don't, you don't, probably don't know this. Even some of you Bible people don't know this. The Apostle Paul spent 13 years after his conversion before he started his ministry. Conversion to Christ, 13 years. 13 years. 13 years. Heather, I unplugged it. It's me. I did it. I was ahead of you. I'm sorry. You were amazing, by the way. Y'all give Heather a hand, a hand clap right now. It's always like Angie's right there with me, and she already had that handled, and I went ahead of myself. Like I said, sit down. Be still. 13 years, y'all. I want you to see this. Paul had a PhD. Paul understood all the principles of the Old Testament. That 13 years wasn't about information. God had to, he stayed in Antioch that 13 years. He got trained. This is, he had all the knowledge he needed. He had to experience God in that 13 years before his ministry started. And this man only lived to be in his early 60s, maybe. But his perspective, man, Paul and Silas would be the strength that God invested in him in that season. This man would be able to pray with Silas and praise God half beaten to death in a jail cell. You know why? Because he was still, he trusted him. David and Paul knew their position. And you need to know your position in him. I didn't say what you've chosen your position because when you begin to believe your position, you'll take your position in life times in the Old Testament that David had to take his place as king again because he got away from himself. I know what you're thinking. You're like, man, I don't even know what that looks like, Ben. I'm divorced. I'm hurt. I'm sad. I lost. I'm sick. My body's sick. I'm in debt. I'm anxious. And if that's the position you're going to take, let me tell you, you're going to hurt a lot worse for a lot longer than you have to. Your position. Sit. Paul said that we are seated. And if he, he told the Ephesians church, we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And the Bible says on earth that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same anointing, the same power, it says, lives in us. That is your position. That is how you begin to sit. So when other people stand against you, you sit. When other people attack you, you don't, re re you don't react. When, other, when your boss overlooks you, when people don't see you, when they put stress on you, you are able to sit. You are able to have peace and not let other people drain you where that you have to spend years recovering from a season that you could have had the peace of God right in the middle of it. Sit. 
sit. A lot of you have so much anxiety. You have so much anxiety that um, because of your bad decisions, you do not have to beat yourself up because of years of bad decisions anymore. Why? Because of your position. You were loved by God. You were cared for by God. Your position is you were seated with him in heavenly places. That is how he values you. He, you have everything you need. King David said in the wilderness all alone, he said, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. This is your position. And when you begin to take it, when you begin to hold other people to that, and if they don't hold you to it, they don't stay around long. You can have peace when you have confidence in your position. The Old Testament calls him the restorer and rebuilder of homes. Your heart home, your family that is broken, that has had strife, that your kids have become a product of a broken home. Listen to me. Ain't nobody a product of nothing because of your position. But it's time for you to take your position because as important as the position that God and the value God has put on you is you taking that position, standing your ground. And how do you do that? You sit. You don't panic and make premature decisions because you trust that he's fighting for you. Be still and know that I'm God. Paul said that we have not received the spirit of fear. We're not slaves to fear, he said. We are adopted. We cry out, Abba, Father. That is your position. And if your life hasn't lined up with that, that is not on God. That is on the position that you've taken. That is why you walk into your work and you manipulate to get your way and for people to see you. That's why you have to manipulate to get a man to notice you. Because you don't notice you. Your position said, the Lord will fight for me. The Lord will fight for you, the Bible says. You need only to be still. And there are some times in our life that are all the time that we need to sit. We panic because we don't know our position. You are loved by God, every one of you, and there is nothing you can do about it. So take your position. Tell somebody, sit down. You don't have to stand up and face somebody face to face because you were seated. You were sitting. You know that he's got you. You don't have to prove a thing to anybody. Tell somebody, so one more time, say, sit down. Walk. That second. When you begin to sit, you begin to walk. I want you to see this, okay? This is important. This is important. You notice how you, uh, when you get older, you know you look like your parents and some of you can't stand it and stuff like that. But when you get old enough, you have to admit that you act like them too. You do. I do. I've actually become grateful for it. I have to manage it, but I have to become, I'm grateful for it. But um, you know why that is? Is because you drew from them so long. And the same happens when you connect and grow closer to Jesus. You look like him. You begin to live like him day by day. You ever seen those people that you see them a couple years later after they truly committed to Jesus? You're like, that's a totally different person. It's because as you draw from him, you start looking like him. Your life starts looking like they're like, man, they didn't make the, the decisions the same way. They didn't have the same values. That's what God can do. The Bible says with unveiled faces. I know I'm quoting a lot of scripture, but I believe in the scripture. The Bible says with unveiled faces, we reflect his glory. Paul said to be imitators of God. When you draw from him, when he's what matters, not what the coach says your second or third or seventh streamer can't make the team, not what your teacher says you can and can't do, but you begin to draw from him and what he says, and you begin to discover that. Walk. 
When you take your position, you'll begin to walk a life that looks like Jesus, lives like Jesus, and you will look back and you will say, I'm a different person because you are. And this is what he says, Paul says to the Ephesian church about walking. Once you sit and you begin to take your position, you will begin to walk and walk a life that is at peace. Therefore, I, of the prisoner of the Lord. Paul's in prison here in Ephesus. He's writing this confidence to them from a jail cell. Talk about peace. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. With all, check out these attributes. Tell me this ain't uncommon right now. Right in the church. Let's not even talk about everywhere else. The calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, accepting one another in love, diligently keeping the unity of the Spirit with the peace that binds us. Everybody's talking about, I'm not compromising my convictions and I don't like you if you don't believe it like that. Paul said, look at those attributes and tell me you're acting like Jesus talking like that. The people that talk like that are the ones that put him on the cross. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Go read it for yourself. It's pretty cut and dry. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says this, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk. Walk is said eight times in the six chapters of Ephesians, if I'm not mistaken. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light, him. His presence, his love for you, his value on you, his authority in your life. For the fruit of the light results in all goodness. Man, last 20 months, look at your life. Look at my life. I'm telling you, this one hit me hard this week, y'all. Righteousness and truth. We love to say, well, there it is, truth. Well, look what comes after discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. Is it pleasing for you to go beat everybody up because they don't believe your truth? I don't know. I'm just saying. Sit. Walk. When you begin to sit and have confidence in him, and every single day when people take confidence from you, when people drain you, when, when circumstances and situations and kids, because kids will do that to you because they, they look cray-cray sometimes. I love mine. But I'm telling you, I can lash out on one because of one, uh, another one did it to me and they, the, the second one paid the price. Just like the second one gets called for the penalty, I digress, I shouldn't do this. When you walk, when you, when, you, when you have confidence in him, when you were growing towards him, when you were close to him, when you were spending time with him, you will begin to walk. You will begin to make better decisions. You will begin to develop healthier habits. This doesn't happen overnight. This can happen starting today, though. You, you begin to uh, have better spending habits. You begin to have more positive perspectives. Your life, you begin to not stay wounded and stuck in a season as long as you once did. Why? Because you have confidence in the position and person that God take, has made you to be. And you sit in it. You're at peace. People can't get you away from it. It is it's easy. And what happens? Your life begins to live that. You begin to walk. Walk in him. You begin to live Telling you, I'll never look back. Oh, I'm imperfect as they come. A little crazy sometimes. But I love him. And I want to love him more tomorrow. And every single day ahead. My daddy used to tell me this. My dad used to tell me, talk about position and walking. My daddy used to say, you can tell a lot about a man when you look at how he cares himself, his posture. 
I have terrible neck problems, back problems. I was in the sixth grade, humped over, worse than I am now, really, because I was a lot more overweight from my height then. I've always been short. But there was years that when I walked in a room and I was humped over, it wasn't just because of my physical problems. It's because I truly didn't have confidence. I loved him. I loved Jesus, but I truly didn't see him the way, see myself the way he saw me or the way I read he saw me. I didn't receive it the way I should have. I walk in a room and I didn't know how to handle me because I didn't really uh, believe in me. I didn't truly have confidence and I wasn't able to take my position and I wasn't able to walk in the way with my head high. And I remember daddy used to say this about my neck. He used to say, baby, he said, Popo, he said, your posture tells a person everything about you. I can tell you something now. I'm at the place in my life and I continue to be there. That when I walk in a room, I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not good at. My neck, I will probably have, continue to have problems with. I pray. I, I, I did the thing. God, you can heal me. If you don't, I'm still going to preach. I'm still going to do my thing and I'm still going to live. But uh, when I walk in a room, I can handle me now. I know me. I know he knows me. I know he loves me. And I'm going to every single day seek him so that I will continue to take my position and walk, toward, walk a life that truly is what he's called me to walk. And if you don't hand, can't handle me, that's okay. What matters is I can handle me. What matters is he loves me and I will become a vet, better version of myself. And anybody who's got a fan will see it because you get to see me on this stage and I can't hide when I'm not growing. Posture. Walk in a room with your head held high. My mama said it for me young age, for me young age in middle school when I had to rest. She said, baby, you better say under your breath, you're the king's kid every time somebody makes you feel or you feel that you're not. Sit. Walk. Lastly, stand. Stand. These are processes. This is what it takes. Paul is telling the Ephesian church, you can have his peace. You can live a life. Don't you dare think it's impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. This is the last chapter of Ephesians. Paul says a final word. Be strong in the Lord. And in his mighty power. I'm going to do a series at some point on the armor of God again. Put on all of God's armor. (laughs) Comes from him, not you. So that you will be able to stand firm. This stand, the Greek word for stand trends like hold your ground. Stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Devil also translates adversary or slanderer. So that means that's how you stand when people slander you or when you feel like attacked by anything or anybody. This is the same principle. He said, hold your ground, stand. The strategies of the enemy are crazy circumstances for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. So if you're fighting people, you ain't fighting a problem. So-and-so, we war not against flesh and blood but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. He's talking about it's deeper. It's more deep than that. It's more deep with the addict that keeps on bothering you and doing crazy things that you don't even recognize them. It's not what you think. Everything in life is deeper. We are deeper. And the love of God can penetrate that depth, but you can't. Against mighty powers of the dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. He says, stand. And he continues later on and he says, when you don't know what else to do, stand. Stand. 
When you begin to take your position and when you begin to walk every single day closer to God and you want him to be your light and your path, what happens is you will begin to stand. Your strength, man, your strength will increase. Your strength will be what you will grow stronger. You may not think you can get there, but you can because it ain't coming from you. It's coming from him. Jesus said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Look at Peter. Oh my gosh. Y'all know this man really chopped off somebody's ear and then cowered it out. He was cutting off ears and cowering out all in one day. Talk about manic. All my people got mental illness. Peter did too. He had to. Joker was crazy. Off the charts, both ends of the, uh, both ends of the spectrum in one day. Five minutes probably. But there's something you probably don't know about Peter because it's not in the scripture, but it's in church history. It's a fact. It's an oral history. You probably don't know how Peter, uh, what happened when he died. You may know how he died, but you don't know what happened. I'll tell you that he wasn't the same person as what we read in scripture. The Roman Empire, he would face the Romans and the Jews. They would say, Peter, we're going to kill you. You read this in the history books. We're going to kill you, telling the abbreviated version. You know what Peter said? Let me tell you what he didn't say. He didn't try to take anybody with him and cut off their ears. And he also, he also didn't cower out. Cowered out. His response in history that we read was, I'm not worthy to die the way my Savior died. And they crucified him upside down. He died a worse death than his Savior. Because when they crucify you upside down, you suffer a lot longer before you die. The same people that killed him, we know that these disciples that experienced Jesus would lead the Roman Empire later on to Jesus. They would die for it. But that same nation who put Jesus on the cross would one day be a nation that stood for Jesus. Because that is the peace. Peter said, I trust you with my life. I trust you with my last breath and every breath that comes after. That, that catalyst is peace. It's peace. I've been just thinking all week, I thought I was going to end the message here and I just didn't feel good about it. I built this habit several years ago, many years ago. Long before things lined up for me, long before I got my wife and my family and a beautiful church family, long before I started a habit, I began to just tell God what I was thankful for. And I meant it. I didn't make stuff up. I meant it. God, thank you because every one of us has things to be thankful for and you better see it and you better speak to it. And sometimes that may be all you've got, but you better know you got it. And I developed that habit. And this year has been remarkable. And Angie and I have had just a great sense of gratitude for the people that are in our life, the new people, because this church has just added so many new people this year. Online, if you're one of them, you're traveling or you're just online family, I may have never met you, but I'm grateful for you. God is good. But ministry is heavy sometimes. It's just it piles up. I was telling Bradford this week, it's never, it's not anything big. It's not anything bad. I mean, honestly, there's, everything's good right now. It's amazing. We're believing God for a lot of things, but it's amazing. It's just heavy sometimes. 
I didn't know on this week that I would just, Sunday, I was kind of, I walked off stage. I told Angels one of those Sundays, I said, I need you to stay away from me. <laughs> I watched the show. Don't get offended. Any of y'all that live in my house still, I'm not, I'm tired. And this week was kind of that. Then the Falcons sucked real bad on Thursday. And I'm driving home. I'm driving home. Garrett's knocked out in the, in the, isn't it crazy that your kids can't hang with you? Man's knocked out. I'm not going to lie, all the way back home until Douglasville, I was listening to what every person should listen to when you're driving back from Atlanta. ATL hip-hop, baby. But uh, he was knocked out cold, and something just hit me. A song that is 23 years old now. Jeff Ayers, who was a, a worship pastor when I was young, used to sing this all the time and I used to see him some of you may know Jeff I don't know but he used to just have his hands out like this and he would just cry like a baby and I loved it because that's what males do that's what a real man does isn't afraid to show it and be vulnerable and he would sing this song and all I can tell you is over 23 years later every year there will be a day or two that I will play this song on repeat and today I'm going to sing it to you because here's what I did and this ain't no joke you know I made sing boys to men and rap it's in the joke I just began to sing it on repeat Garrett got home when he had to wake up he was like why'd the music all of a sudden get turned up enjoy your sleep repeat I just began to lift my hands and say God thank you so much like I always have here's the song majesty majesty your grace has found me just as I am. Empty-handed, but alive in your hands. Majesty, majesty. Forever I'm changed by your love in the presence of your majesty. When you don't feel like you're enough, when you can't breathe because of anxiety at work, when you got no money in the bank, when you feel like everybody's turned against you and nobody's understand you, you're misunderstood. Majesty, majesty. Your grace has found me just as I am. Empty-handed, but alive in your hands. Majesty, majesty. Forever I'm changed by your love. In the presence of your majesty. Can, we, can you sing that? Can you say that with me? You may not be, be as familiar. Can you say that with me? Say it. Say, majesty, majesty. Your grace has found me just as I am. Empty-handed, but alive in your hands. It's so true. He's enough. You're enough. You have a good God and he's got good days left and we can have his peace and his stillness period period thanks for listening we'd love to know your story let us know how this message impacts your life you can message us at info at imcatalyst.net we're here for you and we are for you if you have a prayer request you can message us at prayer at IamCatalyst.net. To keep up with what's going on at Catalyst Church in Carrollton, 
visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Jesus cares about you. We care about you. And we hope you join us again on the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast.